We're going to be talking a little bit about the budget because it is almost time for the annual budget speech. We know that Finance Minister Enoch Gorongwana will deliver South Africa's budget speech on Wednesday at 2 o'clock. It's a crucial annual event where government outlines its financial plans for the coming year. And we wonder what this year will have in store for us as consumers and our economy. In that vein, I'm delighted to say good morning and welcome to the show to Professor Andre Rue, an economist at Stellenbosch Business School. Good morning, Andre. Thank you very much for joining us. Good morning, thanks, and good morning to all your listeners. We know that government is facing many, many challenges when it comes to budget and the economy. What is the significance of the budget speech on Wednesday, and why should listeners be paying attention to it? Well, I think this year, perhaps more than many other years, there's all kinds of interesting challenges. As always, there's a challenge to somehow discipline spending by government because our government debt ratio is exceptionally high and unsustainable. So we need to somehow, government somehow needs to curb, slow down government spending. But the problem is that we are in an election year and the ruling party for the first time ever faces the prospect of perhaps not giving outright majority. So they would be reluctant to curb spending too much, especially spending on things such as social grants, civil servant wages and the like. Uh, doing so might lead to a further loss of support. So it's a balancing act between, on the one hand, economically speaking, having to curb spending, but on the other hand, not being able to do so for political reasons. And that means that if we really want to reduce the budget deficit, the shortfall, I'm afraid that means that the left will look at taxes and somehow find ways and means of extracting more tax revenue if they're not going to be able to really cut back on spending. And there, of course, lies the pain and suffering for South Africans, South African organizations and the like. As you say, pain and suffering for all of us if they're going to be looking at taxes. Where do you see them being able to tax us further? Mm, even there, I'm afraid it's a question of the, the, the least of various evils. Mm. Uh, obviously, one would look at uh, individual taxes, which is the biggest contributor to the tax revenue. But, as I've already said, consumers have been bruised and battered over the last couple of years. Another tax blow would further slow down consumer spending, which in turn accounts for more than 60% of the economy. So that that was an unfortunate choice. Then you look at corporate tax. But, you know, corporates only pay tax on the profits they make. And the profit margins aren't all that great these days. And besides, we want to attract foreign investment. By raising the tax rate, that might deter foreign investment. So you left, I'm afraid, with that value-added tax. And as I say, it's the least of all evils. Uh, the benefit of value-added tax is it does kind of broaden the tax base. The potential downside is the worst hit. The poorest members of society might be worst hit by an increase in the VAT rate. So there is also a possibility of some kind of additional maybe wealth tax on the more privileged members of society. That would be politically not a bad idea. Uh, it would be some, give some signal of redistribution by the tax system. And, of course, we'll always find the so-called sin taxes going up as mm. a matter of course, fuel levies, etc. Prof, what are some of the key aspects of the budget speech that we should be watching out for? Well, I think, first of all, uh, the measures that will be taken and announced to try to well, at first, arrest or curb the increase in government debt. Because, by the way, one of the big downsides of having a high government debt ratio is that 
uh, the, the interest burden is so big. Mm. It's the second biggest spending item. Uh, so much so that over the next three years, we'll be paying, or government will be paying interest of 1.2 billion rand per day on its existing debt. Now, when I say government pays that, of course, ultimately taxpayers pay it. So more than 20% of all the tax that you and I pay goes to, to paying off interest, never mind new debt. So we need to see some kind of real plan of action, a credible plan of action that curbs government spend. I'm uh, sorry, that curbs the, uh, the government debt, debt ratio. Uh, and then I think we'll also be looking out for the assumptions that they make regarding things such as economic growth, because that determines tax revenue. If the economy is not growing or not growing very fast, then the tax base can't grow. And we don't want them to be overly optimistic about that, because then you find yourself a year down the time, uh, a year down the road, that they have not uh, managed to collect the tax that they hoped they would be collecting. So one's looking for realistic assumptions regarding the state of the economy and not over-ambitious assumptions. There are many other things. Obviously, it depends which stakeholder is, is, is listening to the budget, mm. for organized labor. There might be other things they're looking out for, for big business, yet other things, for ordinary consumers, another set of things, which just goes to prove that you can't be all things to all people in a budget. There will always be winners and there will be losers. I know health will be another big one, of course, with the mm. NHI on the cards. And I personally happen to, to know that Curtis Gear Hospital, one of, our, one of our most esteemed hospitals, mm. had their budget recently completely slashed. I don't know how much further down mm. they can take it, but this mm. is going to be a big topic, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, just again to refer to the interest, the amount we're paying on interest is about 40 to 50% more than the health budget. So if we could halve that interest burden, it would free up so many more resources for things such as health, education, and the like. But yes, National Health Insurance has been around. The idea has been around, seems to feel to me like decades, probably not quite that long. And there is a growing impatience in some circles to see that being implemented. But the concern is, of course, the cost. Not just the cost of, 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 of health care, but the cost of running the system could also amount to billions and billions. Prof, how did we get to this state of affairs? You write in a, in a paper recently, the first 15 years of the post-1994 democratic era were generally fruitful and even triumphant. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think there's more than one, one reason. In some ways, an unfortunate sort of convergence of circumstances. So in the last 15 years, the world, and that includes South Africa, has had to endure two of the worst recessions ever recorded in the history of, of, of planet Earth. And we felt the effects of that. I'm talking about the financial crisis, and then more recently, obviously, the COVID-induced uh, major recession. And South Africa's got an open economy, which means that uh, what happens elsewhere in the world does have a bearing on our own economy, for better or for worse. Unfortunately, in more recent times, for worse. But over and above that, uh, internal decisions, domestic decisions, have not always been very smart. So we saw this increase in government debt kicking off in around about 2007, when the debt ratio was a very admirable 27% and is now in excess of 70%. And unfortunately, a large portion of that additional debt incurred has been incurred over time not to build new infrastructure so much or to build a new ESCOM, but to finance what we call current spending, things such as civil servant wage bills, things such as the social grant system, and as I said earlier, things such as interest. We've reached a point where we are borrowing money to partly 
pay the interest on money borrowed last year and the year before and five years ago and ten years ago. So I think it's been a, a, a loss of fiscal discipline along with a very in, insipid economic growth rate, which in turn is a function of so many things, such as, I said, the external factors, obviously load shedding, obviously the very high cost of labor, obviously the high cost of transport, logistical problems, uh, a few droughts along the way. So as I say, it's an unfortunate convergence of some things beyond our control, other things that we simply mismanaged. Andre, you mentioned earlier that government is not going to want to rein in the spending too, too much in light of the fact that it is an election year. What other impacts does the fact that it's an election year have on this year's budget? I think that's the biggest single one. You know, obviously, as I said, government, by all accounts, or the ruling party, faces the prospect of not gaining an outright majority. Uh, and they would be very reluctant to impose measures on the spending side that might, might lose popularity. There's an old saying that says more or less the following, that the major intention of business is to maximize profits, whereas governments or political parties try to they engage in vote-maximizing behavior. Um, so I'm afraid it's difficult to think of areas where they would politically uh, be enthusiastic about cutting back spending. Of course, another factor we need to look at is any additional bailouts of state-owned enterprises. Mm. And again, that's always a difficult trade-off. By rights, they should not be given more bailouts. They've had so so many so far. On the other hand, some of them are so important, uh, they're too big to fail. Um, So it's, it's again, that kind of trade-off.